one. It's about uh, Great British Bake Off. Yes, you ladies know it? Yes. Now, do some of you men, do some of you men sort of, yes, one or two? I see John sort of slightly sighing there. I think he's probably baked off with it. So, um, And it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because they get the ingredients, don't they? And they get some instructions, but you know, that's a bit sneaky. They don't tell them how to put things together, do they? They don't really tell them how long something's got to be proved, if it's bread. And you've got Paul Hollingwood, who was a baker, yes, so he's got a lot of experience, so he sort of knows how to do it. I think he could probably do it without weighing things and the amount of yeast and so on. So they've got something to do. They've got to bake something, and it's supposed to be special, and somebody comes out on top, hopefully. Um, and it just got me to thinking that it's very similar for us as Christians, you see. We're given the ingredients to do with the gospel, the good news, but we're not necessarily told each step and how to do it. And that's so important that we begin to get those skills, that we become like that baker that is Paul Hollingwood, that by experience and walking in it, and sometimes you notice, I love this follow-up show. Do you ever see the follow-up show with Joe Brand, who's an ex-Hastings lady. She was a psychiatric nurse. And there they get the, the people in the um, country to send in their baking efforts. And some of them are, I don't want to be rude, but some are really funny and tragic. I mean, they are so amusing. It's worth watching that just to see. And we can be like that as Christians at times. We're trying to convey something and we get sort of clunky and it comes out misshapen. But that doesn't mean that we should not do this. If you're like me, you have a bit of a driving personality, or even if you're a passive person, try and remember this phrase. When I work, when you work, you work. But when I pray, when you pray, God works. So that's the first stage in relation to anything to do with building this church up. That ask God to work. He cannot be managed. Jenny's had this as a word over recent weeks and had that confirmed from various sources that supply them. We haven't got a God who can be managed. We tend to be wanting to control and manipulate. And God says, no, get your hands off. He cannot be managed, but when we pray, God works in his timing. John, can I ask you to put up Colossians 4? And there's a bit there that says, please pray for us, because we're striving night and day to make Christ known to those who are far from God. Do you know people who are far from God? They in your circle? People who are far from God. And you notice, this is Paul, I mean, he's, he's still at it, isn't he, here? He's striving night and day to make Christ known. And then we come on to verses 3 to 6. And there's some of the most wonderful phrases in Scripture. And they relate to your friends and family coming to Christ. Many of you will have that 
<clears throat> as a burden on your heart. Often people use this word unction. It is this driving force. <clears throat> Pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains, says Paul. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards. Okay, got it right? No. Yes. The key thing there is that God may open a door. It's a phrase, isn't it, that we come across when open doors come here. We have them because they have recently been into North Korea and I'm hoping they'll come and share. They're certainly coming into Hastings and I think I've put it round for everybody. But open a door so that it can proclaim the mystery of Christ. That's the gospel message. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly. I think probably over the last eight years when I have gone home and said to Jenny, the first thing I often say to her is what I said, was it clear? And if it wasn't clear, she will tell me why it wasn't clear. But I'm pleased in most cases, she said, no, it was perfectly clear. People were listening, it was clear. So it's a matter of proclaiming it clearly, as I should, says Paul. Now you notice that thing about the open doors. It's so important to watch for open doors in your meetings with people as you make them. God will make often the appointments, but you see, you wouldn't believe the ratio between the number of times that when you pray for an open door, that the God swings the door open. We've had examples from John where he's had a God prompt and he's had to go down a lane and he didn't want to go down a lane. But there's many examples of this. As you pray for an open door, an opportunity, God will swing it open. So that's a bit like the ingredients being there for you, but then what do you do, you see? And it's important that you don't bake the wrong cake because they may not then follow through. And whatever you do, always do that, say that, be that, that brings the person closer to Jesus. If you've got something to say or do or otherwise that's going to push the person off, don't do it. Please don't. Many times I hear of people talking about the church and what put them off and what people said and how they then take umbrage and sweep away. You see, Christ will build the bridge. He will always build that bridge. The problem we're faced with is in our independent-minded society, people just cannot, cannot accept that they can't save themselves. They join these clubs, they do worthy things, and I'm not knocking them down, but they seem to think it's a way to receive forgiveness and restoration. They're saving themselves by good works. All sorts of the clubs you will see, particularly over this bank holiday weekend, you will see loads of them. And they're sort of trying to fill that God-shaped hole in them by doing good things. And I'm not putting that down, but what I'm saying is they cannot save themselves because they're independent-minded. 
They're not Jesus-minded. They're not Jesus-dependent. But you are. And the key thing they need to understand is that the debt they owe has already been paid in full by Jesus. Now, in the baking thing, you have some vital ingredients, don't you? And that's what I want to do now. Only three, only three vital ingredients to help you as you move on, as you build this church. As I said, we have gained one person, which is a blessing, but by Christmas probably we're going to have lost six. Six people will not be here either by death or leaving or something else. And that's about, what, a sixth of the church? And that cannot continue. And that job is not a job for the pastor, although it's right that a pastor should have an evangelistic gift to be able to speak and preach the gospel, but it's for you. It's for you to do it. It's a bit like Jesus and the 5,000. Say, well, they're hungry. You say, well, you do it. And these are the vital ingredients that you need to be clear of. The first one is very simple, that God loves every person he created including you, whoever the you is. Really important. And I'll come back to that. Second, Christ does it for you, does what nobody else can do for him or her. Christ does it. And the third is at some point, they or you have to make a decision about it. You have to do it before you pass away. You cannot do it after you're dead. So it's really important. Those are the three vital ingredients that you really need to look at in baking the gospel cake, so to speak. But God loves them. They often have no idea of that. Very often they will have a low self-image, feel unlovable, feel they've done things wrong, feel they've fallen down, and often they will share all of those things that have been impediments in their life. They will tend to concentrate on the negative. But you need to get across that there is a loving Heavenly Father who loves them to bits, absolutely loves them, and the proof of that is in sending his son Jesus to us. Just so important that they know that, that they know that in every single way. Very often it can be the visual thing that that's the extent of God's love through his son, through his son Jesus, that he came to take everything that those persons that you're talking to will say is wrong with their life either in the past, it's currently happening, or they fear they will get into in the future. So that's one bit of the ingredients. That love of God has got to be the driving thing. Now the other thing is to try and get across, without being preachy, that God will do that for them, and he will do what nobody else can do for them at all. He can come with that total forgiveness and cleansing and he will not leave them and he will come to that place of meeting them 
in their needs. Yes, they will have the difficulties of life, but they will not be alone. And obviously then they have the promise, of course, of coming to that place after death whereby they can't inherit another type of cake. They have a cake in the wedding feast of the Lamb and you're there eating with Jesus. He's baked that cake already, but that is not in the now, that is in the to come. In that place, when Jesus comes again, then he will take us to that place and we will share with him. Now, how do they inherit all of that? Well, they have to eat the cake. They've got to come to a point whereby they make a decision about it. And the decision is a clear decision between accepting Jesus, accepting what he's done, accepting them in their heart, into their heart, or not. And the basic fact is, if they do not, then Jesus is very clear that they, after their life has finished, A, they're going to miss out the blessing in this life, which is a tragedy. You know some of it. You know in the difficulties of life the measure you receive. And yet, they will come to that point whereby they will go, after they die, to a place without God. And it's black. And it's not nice. And people say, well, don't preach heaven and hell. But Jesus talked about it. It isn't some vague, distant concept. If you have a doubt in that area, don't listen to what I say. Listen to what Jesus says. It's a place without God. The alternative, of course, to look at is to look at the Revelation picture of the promise, the certainty. It's called a hope, and a Christian hope isn't a maybe. A world hope is maybe it'll happen. I hope my football team will win, and maybe they will, maybe they won't. But a hope in Christ, if you are in Christ Jesus, is a certainty. It is a certainty you will receive from the point of view of receiving Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. And obviously that needs to be properly burst, and maybe you'll need some help with that when it comes to that. Many Christians seem to go off the rail, in my experience, because it's not properly burst. They don't seem to fully understand, and it doesn't need to be all the good things. They need to know the price. Uh, our new bishop is talking a lot about the suffering of Christ, the suffering we go through, that we want to inherit all the good bits, and we're happy with those. But to enter into Christ's suffering is something that he majors on. And if you get the chance to hear him, such a man of God, and we're just so fortunate to have him uh, as a bishop around here. Um, and I believe he's be going to be coming to Crowhurst and doing a full day on this. And when I heard him, just the spirit-filled man, who was actually prepared to talk about the uncomfortable price sometimes that's involved with being a Christian and following Christ's path. And it's that point about Christ. You can look at his sayings on the cross and it's said that each Christian will come at a time in their life to saying each one of the sayings that Christ said on the cross. And some of you will have already been there. Some of you will be part the way through that and some will not yet know the full blessing because in some way there are blocks and impediments, and uh, we're all a work in progress, aren't we? So God loves every person that you speak to. Pray that God makes the appointments. 
the God incidences. Pray that you have the right words. God will give you the words at the time. He will tend not to give them in advance or afterwards because otherwise you're just moving through what you've learned in flesh. Very often it's that Rima word, that word that comes from the Holy Spirit that speaks and you speak into that situation and you sometimes don't even realize it's out of your mouth before you think about it. And the person says, well, how did you know that? Or, yes, that's exactly it. Well, it isn't you. It's our loving Heavenly Father reaching out and trying to put his arms around them. But nobody can be forced into the kingdom. Nobody can be coerced. Nobody can be argued into the kingdom. It's a sovereign work of the Holy Spirit. But we need to be that ditch for the Holy Spirit to flow towards that person. Hopefully you've got some love for them yourself. That's important that you have a liking or love or unction. There's something there that you want to help. And this is not about good works. This is about trying to save people to the uttermost. Jesus doesn't want anybody to be lost. doesn't want anybody to be lost. God loves you. Our God is filled with love and compassion, no matter who's dug what kind of hole for themselves or how far they've drifted away. Matthew 18, verse 14 says this, In the same way, your Father in heaven, this is Matthew 18, verse 14, In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing any of his children, shall we say, should perish. It's important that you let those people know that God's arms are open for them. You need to make it clear that all their human efforts can't make them right with God. Christ Jesus did what human beings couldn't do for themselves. If you ask a hundred people how they're going to make themselves right with God, they'll indicate probably they're going to do it themselves. See, culturally, they just don't think that Christ has already built that bridge. Again, it's that independent-minded. It's the I of sin, isn't it, really? I can do it. I, the middle letter of the word sin. Most people just can't accept that they can't save themselves. But the key thing you need to get across is that the debt they owe is now being paid in full. Remember, a person will never ever just drift into salvation. They've either got to opt in or opt out of Christ's plan for salvation. You can't carry them to the cross. You can guide, you can help, you can be there. It's a message of one, two, three, isn't it? God loves every person. Christ has done it. And you have to make a decision. Amen.